I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I'm jumping in for the sake of time because I have about an hour and a half of preaching ahead of me. Amen. Somebody chuckled as if I was joking. Um, just kidding. Turn with me to the book of Haggai. Amen. Haggai chapter 2. I've got to find it in my Bible. I didn't mark my Bible correctly this morning. I usually try to beat you all there. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. If I can find it myself here, I may have skipped over it. There was a time when I had these. Well, my goodness, bear with me. Eli, you can probably pull it up faster than I can. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 1. Yeah, I knew I'd skip over. There you are. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 1. It's good to have our friends from Winona all the way down from Winona this morning. They've taken up this whole left side, looking, making us look full over here. Good to have you all this morning. We welcome you. Let's make them feel welcome this morning. Amen. Amen. Haggai chapter number two. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word this morning? We're just going to begin to read and read uh, verse one through seven of this. Then I'll, uh, and then I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. If you all want to jump ahead, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 26 and 27. And then we will be seated after that. Somebody say amen. Amen. But I don't get to sit down. Um, but Haggai chapter number two, verse number one reads like this it says in the seventh month in the one and twentieth day for those king james lovers that talked backward in their the 21st day in modern english amen and the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the lord by the prophet haggai saying speak now to zerubbabel that's a mouthful zerubbabel the son of shatil governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Who is here among you that saw this house in her first glory, and who, and how do you see it now, is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Let me break this down and put it into modern language. Who saw this house as it was before and is now seeing it as it is now? And is it not in your eyes as nothing compared to what it used to be? Verse number four says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Everybody say work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. I love how God reminds the people over and over and over again in the Old Testament how he brought them out of Egypt. I believe that if we would read the scripture and just recognize, even in our own life, when God, I believe God should be telling us, even today, if we would listen in our prayer time, if we would hear the voice of God saying, Paul, 
I need you to remember when I brought you out of Egypt and you would say, well, you were never in Egypt. Well, I beg to differ with you this morning because Egypt is representative of sin. Egypt is representative of the flesh and everything that we like to do. And so each and every one of us that can lift our hand and say, I'm saved and I know that I am, has been brought out of Egypt. And I'm so thankful that the Old Testament is full of reference that just says, hey, remember when I brought you out of Egypt. Now, Haggai was written several several probably at least a thousand years after the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. And so he's not talking to a generation that's familiar, probably even close to familiar firsthand with the God bringing them out of Egypt, yet he's reminding them, remember, I'm the God that brought you out. What he's saying is, if I was faithful, and and they broke it down for us later in the scripture, they said, whatever I'm faithful to start, I'm faithful to complete. Amen? Aren't you thankful that God said in his word and promised over and over again if I he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ amen I'm so thankful that he reminds us that we that we need to work because I was with you remember when I brought you out of Egypt so my spirit remaineth among you fear ye not we haven't been given the spirit of fear amen for thus saith the Lord of hosts and these are the key scriptures uh, two of the key scriptures this morning. I have tons of scripture. Just uh, just seems like something God's doing lately. Um, but the, the two two key scriptures this morning. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once again, it is a little while. Just so everybody say in a little while. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Everybody say in a little while. And say not so long, just a tad longer. God said, I'm going to shake everything that will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And verse number 7 says, I will shake all of the nations. How many nations? All the nations. And the desire of all the nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. I need you to turn with me quickly to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, this morning. Hebrews, chapter number 12, verse number 26 and verse number 27. And we're going to tie these two scriptures together. I need to, We need a little bit of Old Testament and a little bit of New Testament. Amen. We, we need to be balanced in all things, right? Amen. Uh, it, verse, number, verse number 26 and 27 of chapter number 12 reads like this. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, yet once more. Now listen, I need you to understand, the writer of Hebrews is quoting the book of Haggai right now. Okay, So this is a quote from the writer of Hebrews, I believe to be Paul, just, a, just my opinion, um, but, but irrelevant for the day. Um, he says, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, yet once more, this is the promise of God. Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Amen. And it says, and this word, he's, Paul is exhorting you, let it, breaking down Haggai for you so that you can understand it. He's saying, and this word yet more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as those things which cannot be shaken may 
remaineth. Paul was just telling us just there for a moment. He said when Haggai was talking and prophesying and he said yet in a little while, just a little bit, God said I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and I'm going to shake everything, all the nations. I'm going to shake everything high and I'm going to shake everything low. He said I'm going to shake those things and Paul interpreted that for us and he said when he shakes those things he's not just shaking them so that there can be a whole lot of shaking going on. He's not shaking them just for the sake of making tremors. He's not just causing earthquakes so that things can bounce around. He's, Paul is telling us that he is shaking those things at the end of verse number 27 that those things which cannot be shaken may remaineth. Amen. He's saying those things that can't be shaken are the only things that are going to be left behind. When God begins to shake the things that he's going to shake the only the things that can't be shaken are going to be left behind, are going to remain. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. God, we thank you for your spirit in this place today. God, we thank you for your word that is truth, God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us to all truth. God, I pray right now under the sound of my voice that there would be anointing, God, carrying the words of your prophet this morning. God, I pray that I would speak and that it would fall upon good ears, Lord, that it would find a pathway through the mind, God, and all the way down into the heart, God, so that this morning we could say I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord I thank you for for giving unto us the bread as we break it today in your holy house God. We pray that you provide all the increase in Jesus name and everybody say amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken church. Maybe I need to get many, a little bit more Pentecostal. I said everything that, is a, that can be shaken is about to be shaken. Can I get a witness in the house of God? Amen. Amen. Everything that, there's a, there's a shaking that's about to take place in all of the world around. I'm not just talking about America. I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about that there is a shaking that's getting ready to take place in all of this world. But it, he said it goes beyond that. There's a shaking that's getting ready to take place in the very heavens. Amen. And this heaven here is not just the stars in the sky, the heavenly host that we see at night, but the heavens, the world around us. In the spiritual world, there's getting ready to be a a heavenly earthquake that's about to take place. God is getting ready. I I remember reading in in Revelations, he says, I am he who's sitting upon the throne. I am he who said, you know, there's something profound in that statement. And I, I need you to understand this. When God said, I am he who sits upon the throne, he said, what's going on in your life does not move me. I don't need to stand up and change things. When I see something that's going on in your life, do you know that nothing that you go through can is God off guard. There's never been a time I love I love that God gave me a word one time about about the plans that he has for us out of Jeremiah. But I said in that and it was a profound statement. I said that when God gets up to the line of scrimmage, all you football fans, he doesn't get up there and look at what the devil's doing and what the other team is doing and say, "Oh, wait a minute. I've got to call an audible." He doesn't he's a God that has no audibles. His plan is perfect from the very beginning. He 
doesn't need to look at what the devil might be doing and then change up what he is doing. He's not, he's not, he's not like that. He's not a reactive God. Amen. Aren't you thankful we don't serve a reactive God? We're a reactive people sometimes, but we don't serve a reactive God. He's a God that knows what's going on. At all times, amen. But he said, I'm about to shake everything that can be shaken. And those things that can't be shaken are the only things that are going to remain. So for just a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about a firm foundation. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Firm Foundation. You see, there's a building that has begun. The first thing that is happening right now is the building has begun. God has brought us down from up there around St. Louis and we've been brought into this place by divine appointment and we know we everybody who asks us, they say, even Brother Dave this morning, he said, how do you like it down here? And the only answer I can come up with is this is exactly where God wants us and we are absolutely joyful knowing that we are in the perfect and divine will of God. I don't know how you all feel about me, but it's too late anyhow because I'm not going anywhere anywhere because I've already been put in and it's a real struggle let me tell you it's a real struggle kicking out a preacher so if you're going to do that it's going to take a long enough time that I still think I can accomplish what God wants me to accomplish so if you've got that on your mind you better start staging your coup immediately Uh, but we are here and we're here for the long haul because we feel God has called us into this place and there's a building that has begun amen we begin working. Matter of fact, if any of you have re- will recall, and I know Sister Wanda will, because she's my note taker and she'll bring it to my attention. I've read Haggai chapter 2 in this church before. Matter of fact, we have preached about that because God led me there when we talked about the house and its former glory. Amen. That's, I wanted to set the stage there this morning, but that's not anything that we want to talk about specifically. But I, but I need to start by saying that the work has begun. Amen. We, we, we've started the work, church. Don't don't fool yourself for a second. I think we get in a mentality sometimes that the work's going to start tomorrow. That maybe the work will start next week. That right now we're, we we get in this uh, this this uh, uh, spiritual slumber, if you will, where we think that everything's going to happen in later days. Everything's going to happen tomorrow, and so we begin to be planners, but not doers of God's will and God's word. We begin to just be all about planning, and and that's why you know churches are, are always trying to figure out new programs, but never implementing anything, and and so we we become really professional planners. Amen. But we're not professional doers. Amen. And so I'm telling you this morning, the reason I, I need to clarify that is because whether, you, whether you've been on board and you've got your seatbelt fastened or not, the building has begun. Whether you've been a part of it thus far or not is, is on you. But I'm telling you that the building has begun. And, and Zerubbabel was building something. He had gone with the purpose of God and he began to build. And he had lost a little bit of his zeal for the building or he had been attacked by uh, enemies on every side. And let me tell you this too, in case you're not aware of it, this church as a corporate body is being attacked on every side almost every day. I need you to understand that when we move in the right direction for God and if you move in the right direction for God in your own life, you better expect the attack. Amen? It doesn't come at an easy cost. 
The devil does not look at what you're doing and say, you know what, they're doing a good job for the kingdom of God. I think I'm going to let them alone for a while. It doesn't work that way. And so whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, there's an attack that's always being forged and waged on this church as, on, as a body. But you know what that means is that since we are the church, that means the attack comes in the form of personal attack on you and on I. And you know, I as the pastor, but you as the laity and, and, and you as the, the congregation, God, uh, the devil is sending attacks, amen, in your life. Can anybody say amen? Sister Wanda, the devil is sending attacks on your body, amen. And, and there are folks who are out today, and, the, and, and we want to just keep, we want to keep them up in prayer, but we want to just keep that a little bit discreet this morning. But there are folks who are not here this morning that are being attacked in their body and they and that is an attack on this church that is an attack on this building project that's already been done and i need you to understand this morning when i say that the building has begun i'm not talking in the natural about construction process yes we have our eye on another building but there's a building that's happening in the spiritual there's a building that's being taken place and listen every time we put our faith in action and begin to go out and minister uh, to those around us and begin to share the gospel of jesus christ there's building you are building the kingdom of God. So the building has begun. Amen. And I've come to tell you this morning too, I don't know how many of you were here to see this house in its former glory, but God told me to tell you this morning to don't even worry about what happened in the days of old because the latter glory is going to be greater than the former glory. Amen? And so you need to understand that we're not working towards something that used to be, but we're working towards something that's greater in the future that God has. Matter of fact, it may not look anything like it used to look like, even when it was great in its time. Amen? You see, I, I need you to understand that that uh, even even Brother Josh said this last week, and I thought I had it somewhere in my notes, but, but traditions are made to be celebrated but not meant to be duplicated. Amen? It's good that we have the traditions that we can look to, and it's good that we have those things that, that were great in their heyday. I remember coming to church and getting miraculously saved, and if I could in my own might, Brother Dave, I would bring back those days. I'm just telling you, in and of my flesh, who I am, I would bring back the days of my salvation because I remember those he said he said don't forget the day of your salvation don't forget that and I remember that and if I could I would take this church right into the same revival that we were experiencing when I got saved brother because it was special to me but God is saying what happened today what happened 15 years ago when you got saved or however many years ago it was sister Deidre she likes to correct me but I'm stuck on 15 and so I just don't want to age and so uh so whatever it was 15 years ago or, or more maybe 15 plus years or maybe minus um, that that God moved in my life and he moved he may have moved in this church in a mighty way and you may be looking at the past of that but God is saying get your eyes off of the past don't worry about what I did because behold I'm getting ready to do a new thing amen I'm getting ready to bring revival like this world has never seen and I need you to understand something too it's not all about awakening church of God it's about the kingdom of God it's about the awakening to America. You won't hear many preachers preach about the kingdom of God behind the pulpit because they're worried about the kingdom of their church. Do you know what I'm talking about? But I'm telling you this morning that God's getting ready to do a thing that goes far beyond the reaches of every person that makes up this church. He's getting ready to pour out His Spirit and He said, in those last days says the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. And upon my servants and 
my handmaidens in those last days. I will pour out of my spirit, says the Lord. Those days are coming. Those days have not passed. They've not gone on. I'm telling you that God is not letting his church decline to come back for a battered and bruised bride. But he's coming back for a church that's on fire. A bride that's spotless and ready for him. People say to me all the time, Brother Paul, do you think that God could come back tomorrow? Well, I'm here to tell you, he could come back whenever he wants. He could come back before I finish any sentence this morning. But I have it in my mind that he's not coming back in a Huey helicopter on a rescue mission. But he's coming back for a church that's saying, give me one more day, God, because we've got souls that are being added to the kingdom. Would you just wait for just one more minute, God? Would you just give me the opportunity one more time to save another one out of the pitch of hell, God? Would you just hold off for just one more minute? I, I, you know, the prayers of the saints have held back the hand of God, I believe. But I believe that we need to be praying and not saying, God, even I know the scripture says, even so come Lord Jesus. And I'm not trying to go against the scripture this morning. But I believe we as the church need a new mindset to say, God, we're beginning this work and we're saying, God, hold off for just a minute because we've got work to do. We've got work to do. The, the, the widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, one of my favorite stories, she looked around and she said, is there another jar? She looked at her son as the oil was filling, as the anointing was filling the lives. As the anoint, you got to see the jars were representative of the people that she could pour into. And then the, anoint, the oil was the anointing, was the Spirit of God. And she looked around and he said, gather all the jars you can. And as she kept pouring in the anointing, it was, there was enough in that one jar to fill all the different vessels that were there and then she looked around she looked to her son she said is there not another vessel that we could fill is there not one more vessel church that's the mindset that we've got to get into is there another vessel is there somebody else out there that I could preach the gospel to is there somebody else out there that needs the love of God poured into them is there somebody out there that I can reach a hand out to is there somebody listen I'm going to go ahead and slap you in the face this morning with something Jesus said he said that if you're going to be servants of me then you need to go to the poor and you need to give and when you give to your brother don't expect return back on what you're giving but you give and you let it go that's what Jesus said I didn't say it this morning I'm telling you that he was trying to teach us true and undefiled religion brother Dave he was trying to teach us what it is to be building in the kingdom of God and I don't know about you but the building has begun but Haggai this morning, that was we're setting the stage. Haggai this morning uh, was giving, a, a, there was a prophetic word that was being spoken, and I said it, and I've kind of stayed on it a little bit this morning, but there was a word that was being spoken that we need to pay attention to this morning. That if we're in the middle of a building process this morning, if we are building the kingdom of God, if you in your life are building the kingdom of God, if you are building the kingdom up around you, if you are ministering to those around you, God gave a critical piece of advice that we skipped over because we talk about the house and its glory and we know that Zerubbabel was building the wall and the temple and and that there was you know that they needed to know that God was going to fill his house with glory and so we skip over something there but there's a crucial piece of scripture that we need to see brother Dave because Haggai was was saying something that was profound there was a there was a critical piece of advice and insight and prophecy coming forth from Haggai he said that and he said in just a little while I'm about 
God said, I'm about to shake everything. I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and all, all the people and all the nations and everything's about to be shaken. And Paul gave us that warning later. He interpreted the scripture to say that when he said everything's going to be shaken, only the things that can't be shaken will remain. Why is it a critical piece of advice? Because God is saying when you're going to build something that you need to know that you don't need to worry about the waves that are buffeting by the enemy. You don't need to worry about uh, the attack on the, of the enemy on what you're building. But you need to be worried about the God that is in heaven. The, he said, I'm going to shake everything. I need you to understand that there are churches all around this town, all around the county, all around the state, and all around America. And they've been built upon something. But God is saying in the Spirit this morning that you don't need to worry about the attack of the enemy. You don't need to worry about the waves that might be tossed to and fro. I'm telling you that God Himself is about to to shake things up in America. God is about to shake things up in the church and you need to be worried about the foundations of your church and what you're building upon because God is saying, don't worry about what the devil's about to do. You need to be worried about what I'm about to do because I'm about to shake everything that can be shaken. We're worried about the attack of them. Can we build something strong enough that the devil can't beat it? Can we build something strong enough? Can we build something that's established enough? Can we build a a group that's big enough that when the attack of the enemy comes, and that's all well and good, and that's how the church has operated for many years, is can we build something strong enough that can withstand the attack and the buffet and the onslaught and the fiery darts of the enemy? Can we build that? But I hear the Lord saying, don't worry about building that. You need to be worried about building a house that when I begin to shake things, When I begin to shake things, you see, for too long we've allowed the attack of the enemy to core against the attack of the enemy. I know the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness and high places. I know those are the things we're wrestling with. And we as the church, when we build upon foundations and when we build uh, our churches up, all we're trying to do is withstand the attack of the enemy. And the truth is, we haven't been very successful about what standing the attack of the enemy. Well, why do you say, Brother Paul? Because uh, the world looks a lot like the church and the church looks a lot like the world nowadays. And you can walk into any given service and you can't really tell the difference between it and the movie house or maybe a concert hall or whatever it is. You, you can't really see a difference there. That tells me that we haven't done a very good job at even building something that can defend against the enemies which are in hell around us. But I'm telling you uh, that God is saying that in these last days you need uh, all those bills Buildings that are built upon things that are trying to withstand the darts of the enemy are not going to be strong enough to withstand my mighty hand, says God. I'm about to shake things up. I was telling Zerubbabel, you see, we, know, we talk about the glory of God that was about to fill the place. But Haggai was giving Zerubbabel a, a warning piece. He said, you're building a foundation right now, Zerubbabel. You're building a foundation. And I need you to understand that this foundation is going to be shaken not by the gates of hell, but by God's mighty hand himself. You heard me say last week, we always try to give the devil too much credit. But you heard me say last week that heaven is heaven because God's there. But most of you would be surprised, but hell is hell because God's there. People think hell's hell because God's not there. It's that that couldn't be farther from the truth. Hell is hell because it's the wrath of God that'll be poured out upon you if you don't know who He is. And we have fear and reverence for who He is again in the house of God. Amen. And I'm telling you that we need to worry not so much about what the enemy is getting ready to do, but we need to worry about what God is getting ready to shake. 
Amen. I'm going to move on for the sake of time this morning. Only what can be shaken will be shaken. So this morning that tells me, and it was the warning sign from Haggai, is that if you build something that can't be shaken, then you're all right. If you, can't, if you build something and you build upon something that can't be shaken, then you're going to be okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, the, 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 the prophet, John the Baptist, he said, you say, well, he's not a prophet. Yeah, he is. Jesus said he was the greatest prophet that ever lived. Amen. The prophet John the Baptist, he said something to the Pharisees. He said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Why do you think the axe was laid to the root of the tree? Because he was shaking the very foundations of the root of the tree. And I hear the Lord saying in this day and hour in which we live in that the axe is getting ready to be laid to the root of the tree again. And these religious philosophies around us and this false doctrine and the heresies and the false prophets and the uh, loose lifestyle, it won't be tolerated. And the twisters of the scripture that are behind pulpits today just making up doctrine that will work for them and and trying to make God's gospel uh, the whole truth, this whole book, they're trying to take scriptures out of it and make them work for them and work on their behalf. Brother Dave calls them the scriptural cash cows and, and, and all of that. The axes being laid to the root of the tree and those systems of this world are getting ready to be fall are getting ready to fall. Most of these sinful situations most of these false prophets most of these heresies that are going on in the church today uh, these the apostate church that is today's church uh, most of these, are, these sinful situations situations arrive from an unstable foundation brother Dave many of these false prophets and others they started out with good intentions but they built upon the wrong foundation you see what happened was even even after you've built uh, even after you have a great foundation you need to do something and you've heard me talk about this before too but we have to count the cost of the building amen we've got to count the cost of what we're getting ready to build if you're getting ready to do any ministry in your life if you're going to be useful for God in any way you've got to begin to count the cost before you go into it Jesus talked about it uh, he talked about it uh, in uh, Matthew uh, I'm sorry in Luke chapter I, I believe it's 14 yeah, in Luke chapter 14, verse number 27 and 28, he said, what man have getting ready to build a tower doesn't first count the cost and, and look and see if he's going to have enough money to complete the project lest he get the foundation laid. If you read that scripture, it says, lest he get the foundation laid and is not able to finish the work. I'm telling you this morning that we've got to have firm foundation, but we also have to count the cost of what it's going to take to finish the work that God is calling us to do. Uh, the Word of God says that no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking backward, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Is that scripture? Am I in the am I in the Word this morning? I'm telling you, that's the same scripture that's saying when you start something, you better count the cost. You've got to know what you're going getting into. There's a there's a there, there's a place that we pass going down to the lake on the west side of Branson. That's a community that was that was built up and started and it's got multi-million dollar homes that were started and it goes down through you can see it there on the side of the highway and it, they're like they're dilapidated they're, they're in, 
Woo, bless the name of Jesus. They're broken down and and they are the, the, the you know the, the buildings are going to waste and and I got to looking into that and someone didn't count the cost before they started that project. There were people and there were there were people that, that, that didn't have the right will and they were they were doing the wrong things and they were doing unlawful things and that thing began to fell apart apart. But why? Because those who started it did not count the cost. There's people even going to jail. I read something this week on folks that are getting ready to do jail time on that development down there. Why? Because they didn't first count the cost. You see, others meant well, but they just didn't finish strong. Paul said to Timothy, I've run my race. I've pressed toward the prize for the call of the, uh, the high calling of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I, I, I've run my race. I've run my race. He said, I've done it all. I've finished well. We must run our race. We must press toward the prize. We must not be weary in well-doing, Brother Dave, because we'll reap if we faint not. Amen? You see, with other, many people, they don't mean to, to, to fail. They just start well, but don't count the cost. They put a foundation down, or they build upon a foundation, but they don't count the cost. You see, we can't go down with the false prophets and the heretics and the, and the folks who just uh, meant to do well, but they, they didn't count the cost before. We've got to stand up on our most holy faith and begin to build, Brother Dave. We've got to begin to build, Sister Evelyn. We've got to begin to build in the kingdom of God, Brother Brian. And we've got to build upon our most holy faith. We've got to build ourselves up, Paul said. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Put upon the, the foundations. And I'm, I'm not pulling out these scriptures for the sake of time this morning. But if you want to write it down, I need you to look up uh, It's uh, Acts chapter number 4, verse number 11. And then I need you to look up Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. And he says, build upon the foundation that was laid by the apostles and the prophets. And it, then it, he goes on to say something that's profound. And it's also stated in Acts chapter 4, verse 11. That there's a stone that the builders rejected, which is the chief cornerstone of every foundation. If you're going to build upon firm foundation this morning then you must know that the firm foundation is in Jesus Christ it's in Christ and Christ alone I know we all know it this morning but I feel like you need to hear it the buildings that are built upon Christ will stand but those that are not will be shaken and they will fall so therefore this morning we must build ourselves up in our most holy faith solid in our doctrine secure in our identity strong in our faith steady in our contention, smart in our actions, simple in our speech. I need you to understand we've got to be simple when we give them the gospel. We need to be staggerless in our walk. We can't be swaying any way, anyhow, and going with every ebbs and flow of society. We've got to be sure in our hope. We've got to be selfless in our efforts. We've got to be outspoken in our testimony. We've got to be straight in our witness. I need you to understand Understand that if the church is going to make an impact, then we've got to be straight in our witness. We can't be living wishy-washy in any kind of way. And we've got to be steadfast in our zeal. We've got to build upon the faultless foundation that was laid long ago, which is Jesus Christ. 
the cornerstone. The prophets and the apostles with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. Build upon them. Build upon the prophets. Build upon the apostles. What they had founded. Nearly every, I need you to understand, nearly every vision or kingdom fails within the third generation. Do you know statistically that if you were to look at businesses that go into from generation to generation, by the third generation nearly every business falls apart. By the third generation nearly every organization falls apart. Why? Because God gave a vision to the visionary, the pioneer who built the organization. I'm going to use an example this morning. They wouldn't necessarily uh, like me for it, but I worked at the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, you know. The Young Men's Christian Association is the YMCA, and it was founded upon the ideas that in England there were uh, all kinds of different uh, sinful houses and places for these transit and merchant workers to go and get involved, involved and divulged in sin. And so So the YMCA founders, they said, we need a place of refuge where Christian men can come together and not have to go to the bars and not have to go to all these other things and not have to go uh, to the whorehouses or whatever of the day. And so they built this Young Men's Christian Association as a refuge. And then then within a a generation away from that, there became all these world, world wars. And in those world wars, somebody said, well, that's great. We'll be a refuge for Christians, but let us also be... Uh, 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 givers and 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 uh, and refuge for the for the fighters of the war, and so they begin to uh, do these campaigns, giving housing to soldiers and 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 doing a good philanthropy work. And then the next thing you know, by the Second World War, they were giving more into the into the battle, and they were being they were creating tents for soldiers to live in instead of uh, letting them live out on the cold ground while they were fighting in the different wars they would send and they would make those but what happened was two generations down the line in leadership by the time World War II was over they said we're no longer concerned with being a house where Christian men can come together but now we need to be an outreach that does philanthropy in all these neighborhoods and that's when the YMCA's begin to grow all over and now they've been reduced to nothing more than some centers where you can go swim and you can go do fun activities and you can do community oriented things and there's nothing wrong with any of those things but I'm telling you today it's a whole different looking YMCA than it ever looked like before and I'm not knocking what they're doing they do a good work in the eyes of the world they do a good work of philanthropy but I'm telling you they were founded upon something more they were founded upon God for a refuge for Christians to come together and have fellowship And now they're as outspoken as anybody is for the left. Because within a few generations, things begin to falter. You can see it in every religious organization if you would look closely enough. My God, I'm telling you today that John John Wesley would roll over in his grave. I can't even imagine. Matter of fact, the, the church that John Wesley founded... would not even recognize him if he walked in the doors. Because they fall apart. Why? Because the foundation was there. The foundation was laid. But it wasn't built upon correctly. And when things begin to shake, Brother Dave, when God began to shake things, the things that could be shaken fell away. If a foundation, I need you to understand this though, if a foundation is solid like that of Jesus Christ, and I'm getting ready to close with this, if you have a a solid foundation like in Jesus, then that foundation can be built upon and built upon 
built upon. Brother Dave, you're in construction. You understand that a solid foundation can be built upon over and over and over. The wind may come. The rains may come. uh, Termites may get into the wood of the house. But if there's a firm foundation, you can break that thing down, tear it all the way down. I remember going down to to New Orleans during Hurricane, or just after Hurricane Katrina, and seeing that whole district in the Chalmette area in the Ninth Ward. There were so many houses there that were just completely leveled. But I'm telling you, I looked around and you could see concrete slab after concrete slab after concrete slab and they began to rebuild upon those there are people who said I'm leaving and then there were those who said we're staying why because we can build upon these foundations because the foundations were secure the foundations were strong and I'm telling you if you have the foundation of Jesus in your life what am I telling you in this portion of the sermon this morning thank God for grace because if you've got Jesus Christ at the foundation you can make a mistake your building may falter your building may fall but as long as it's built upon the rock amen then you can rebuild you can re you can reinforce you can restructure you can do everything you need to do to rebuild and be beneficial to God's kingdom again but when you think about it I, I, I had to do a comparison and I thought about the hurricane Katrina and all those buildings where the foundation was strong enough for them to rebuild on but I started thinking again and my mind went back to September 11th 2001 when the Twin Towers fell. Do you know, Brother Dave, that that even the foundation of that building was struck all the way out to the point that now where they have the, what is it called, the Freedom Tower now, I believe, in New York City. They had to lay a new cornerstone in that place. Why? Because they had to rebuild even the foundation of that building. Why? Because the building foundation was not strong enough to withstand the attack that came on it. And I'm telling you, if it couldn't withstand the attack of the devil on it, there was no way it was going to withstand the attack of God's mighty hand and he's saying everything that can be shaken will be shaken and I'm telling you they put a big old cornerstone in I've seen this celebration I don't know how many people seen it they wrote on this stone it was engraved and brought in from some special place some special quarry it was a big piece of granite and they used it as the cornerstone for this new building this new freedom tower but I'm telling you if it wasn't built upon the chief cornerstone then it's going to fall again, maybe not under the hand of the enemy, but it's going to be fall, it's going to fall under the hand of Almighty God because He said everything that can be shaken will be shaken. This morning, I'm telling you that we have to have firm foundation. Why? Because God is getting ready to shake things. Where the building is on the move. We're already building the kingdom of God. We're already building the church. You're already doing the works of God in your life. You're already doing the things of God. But I'm telling you, you need to check your foundation. You need to look and see if there's any cracks in that foundation. You need to see if there's any way for anything to slip into that foundation. Sister Alicia, you said you had some water coming into the basement, to the foundation of your home. Why? Because that foundation became insecure somewhere along the way and the foundations of this world will always find ways to get cracks and begin to fall and they will settle oh my god I could preach there for the next half hour about how we get uh, the wrong foundation and then we can get settled into things that are not of God and things begin to slump and before we know it our posture for God has changed we used to be standing upright before God and righteous in his righteousness 
this, but with a, with a foundation that began to settle. We begin to settle. We begin to settle for everything, every type of thing that comes. Why? Because the foundation was wrong. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be built upon a foundation that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, Paul laid it out there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number, uh, I believe 20, chapter 2, verse number 20. He laid it out and he said, build upon the foundations that was the apostles and the prophet have laid. What was he saying right there, Brother Dave? He was saying that there were people, men, good men of God, that God had inspired to write this word. The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament scriptures by the apostles. And God laid a foundation and he said in in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, he said that Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Why? Because everything in this word from the back to the front to the end points to Jesus Christ. And he's the chief cornerstone. And they built upon that foundation. And who are we to not build upon the foundation that they laid before us? I, why, why am I preaching this message this morning? Number one, because we're a church of vision and we're going somewhere and there's a building that has begun and God is saying that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So you need to know that I'm about to shake things up and you need to accordingly. Number two, because sometimes we as believers and, and other, uh, other people, you, you wind up giving your ear to people who uh, one time stood on the firm foundation of Jesus, but then begin to uh, heap up for themselves uh, false doctrines and false prophets having itching ears. And I'm telling you this morning that we've got to have discernment like never before because we have to know that our foundation is secure. I told Brother Dave this morning as we were, as we were meeting before church, I said, that we have to as a church have a firm foundation in what we believe why because there's so many lies being told outside of these four walls there's so many lies that are being told to people you can live any kind of way you want to and grace is enough you can say a prayer when you're a child and expect that when you're 90 and you've lived a life for the devil that you can still somehow make it into heaven I'm telling you I heard a a book writer wrote one time that, that for the carnal minded person heaven would be worse than hell. Why? Because it's all about Jesus there. It's all about Him and if we can't get that in our minds here on earth, how how will we be able to accept it in heaven when Jesus is the one that's there and everything points to Him and we get a crown for just a couple seconds and then we go throw it down at His feet and say worthy is the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Worthy is the King of Kings. Worthy is the Lord of Lords. He's the foundation folks and there are people that are being lied to and are society every single day nothing bothers me more sister Wanda than to meet with people and I I try to do this on a regular basis I believe God opens the door for me to speak with people and just begin I I, I will manipulate a situation as much as I can in a conversation to get that thing to turn to Jesus somehow and I and and we'll be talking about whatever and I I, you know that they're they're talking about you know the weather and the next thing you know I'm trying to make a segue to talk about God all the weather you know you know I know the guy who made weather you know, and just something, and 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 I and I was I was talking with someone this week, and 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 this this lady began to talk to me and tell me about how she's subscribing to this group and to this group. And listen, I need you to understand something. It grieved my heart so badly to hear her talk about how she was raised as a Lutheran and how she knows the God of the Bible, Jehovah God, and how she knows Jesus. But she began to tell me how she subscribes to this group of universalism, and she begins to just she she subscribes to this 
this group of, of thinkers and, and, and science and, and somehow intermingling that. And then we, we begin to talk uh, even a little bit more uh, and go a little bit farther about uh, the things of the Spirit. And she started talking about energy as opposed to the power of the Spirit of God. And I said, my God, what, what are people lending their ears to? What foundation have they built upon? And I listen, I, I'm not saying this in any way, talking about this, this woman. I'm not, I've grieved for her because she was so misled and so misguided. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says, if you believe a lie, that you'll be damned. Why? Because there are lies that are being told out there. But if you can't get the true gospel and the revelation of Jesus and that the Spirit of God is the power of God on this earth, not to be duplicated, not to be replicated with anything else. It's, he's not just energy. He's not kinetic or potential. He's the power. Amen. He's the power of God. And I'm telling you, my heart began to grieve. It just began to hurt because I said, my goodness, she's being misled on every hand. And I said, can I pray with you? And I just began to pray a hedge of protection around her mind that every weapon that's been formed against her that she doesn't even know about would not prosper. And I began to pray and minister. But God said, they're not built upon the right foundation. So that's the second reason. Yes, our church is going places in the kingdom and in the spiritual realm and we're building upon things this morning. But there are lies that are being told out there because people haven't built upon the real foundation which is all Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the door. I, there's, there's nobody that comes to the Father but by me. He, he kept saying, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I, I am. You need to understand that the only way to build is upon Jesus. That's the only way we can build today is upon Jesus. We have to know that Jesus is at the center of it all. Oh yeah, we got the Holy Ghost. We got the speaking in tongues. We've got all the spiritual gifts and manifestations. But if they don't point to Jesus, then what? are they? I'm telling you, He will lead us and guide us to all truth, and all truth is the Word of God, and the Word of God was made flesh, and His name was Jesus. Amen? He was the beginning, He was the Word, He's the foundation. He was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation. Amen? And I'm telling you, if we can't build upon the cornerstone that is Jesus, then our building will fall. Matter of fact, I'll go as far as saying is that when your foundation was imperfected, by man's ideas and theologies and man's ways and flesh that's the reason probably that the old building fell so we've got to stay centered we've got to stay focused this morning